Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Good afternoon, everybody, and it's not a good afternoon if you're the Denver Broncos, and specifically, Tim Patrick, the worst possible news came true today. Welcome, Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry, watch us, MileEyeSports.com, you can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman, if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Before we get to our big news of the day, I want to tell you the Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos up in Blackhawk giving away another Tesla. Yeah, they did this promotion before. It was so successful, they decided to do it again. And you know what? If you don't want it, no problem. They're going to give you over $33,000 in cash instead. Grand prize drawings are the weekend of October 7th. Head on up there to check out their sports book. Be part of this great promotion. Don't forget to play their really loose slots. They can't say it. I can. By the way, the food there is great. Sasquatch and Wildcard, a family-owned casino that treats you like family. And our breaking news is about Tim Patrick. With that time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Well, sadly, I think this is a day that many in the Broncos organization, certainly Tim Patrick, but just as importantly, and not importantly, but Nathaniel Hackett, his first fully padded practice of his coaching career, two of his players go down with torn ACLs and are both out for the season. Tim Patrick is one. Running back to Maria Crockett is the other one. Patrick went down during the first full day of pads on a play covered by a saying Bassey. You'll hear from Bassey, by the way, in the next segment. Had a chance to catch up with him after practice. Patrick, now I'll paint the picture for you, and you were or you, you were standing right there as well, but I'll paint the picture for our listeners and our viewers on milehighsports.com. Patrick and Bassey both went up for a jump ball. Let's call it a 50-50 ball. Patrick, who has got terrific size at six foot four comes down with it. He takes a step or two, bang, collapses onto the field, and immediately, and you and I have seen injuries on the field in the past. I don't know if I have ever seen so many guys so quickly rush to the side of that player, and that is Tim Patrick. It was Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, and Russell Wilson who made a mad dash for him before you knew it, the entire team was around him. And you know what? That should just tell you what kind of a person, what kind of a leader that Tim Patrick is and the type of respect he has in that locker room. And it also involved how long the huddle lasted, how long the the group stayed around him, how long they showed their concern as he was carted off. Practice basically stopped for, what do you think, five to ten minutes? Easily five to ten minutes. And, you know, Patrick was carted off the field. The uh, Crockett injury happened probably about 45 minutes before that. But Crockett walked off on his own for... Patrick, he had to be literally carted off the field. Uh, by the way, and talk about bad luck, uh, this is the third year in a row Broncos wide receiver mm-hmm. has suffered a season-ending torn ACL. And they've taken turns. Last year, K.J. Hamler, uh, the season before, Cortland Sutton. And just as a side note, probably about 10 to 15 minutes after Patrick went into the locker room, K.J. Hamler 
walked into the locker room as well to see how his friend was doing. In the meantime, obviously that was the talk during practice and after practice, and it was the first question out of the gate to Nathaniel Hackett. Guy like Tim, who's such an amazing leader, um, that has done everything we've asked. You know, I mean, it breaks your heart because you love it. Now, on the flip side, it gives somebody else an opportunity to really grow and become a great player um, because that's what we're going to need. So I think that whenever you have these things happen, it's about supporting the man because we are about the entire team. But then at the same time, now flipping it out and going, hey, now everybody's got to pick it up and somebody's got to show up. He immediately was talking as if he was going to be out for the year. It had not been confirmed yet, but he saw it. He knows. They had, they had gotten indications that it was a very serious torn ACL. And it happened in front of me, and I don't want to in any way, shape, or form equate my athletic experience with anything the Denver Broncos are doing. But I had a torn ACL from football when my spikes caught on an option play. Right. And I remember that to this day, I remember that flash of pain. Yeah. I, did, I was able to walk off. Right. It's kind of a misconception that it cripples you to the point where you can't even stand up. You can. It's my understanding. Most cases. It's my understanding it's your MCL where you lose your stability. ACL, I mean, you can walk with a torn ACL. Uh, Dewan Blair, a former NBA player, he was born with no ACLs. None. He played for Pitt as a college player and then played for the San Antonio Spurs. John Elway, what's his ACL situation. He does not have one there. And he was walking around practice today, looking like an ex football player. Right. Walking. I mean, you can't cut if you don't have ACLs, no. but you can certainly walk. I, I don't want to overstate how significant this injury is. It is a significant injury for a lot of different reasons. Number one, Tim Patrick was very much looked up to in that Broncos locker room and specifically in the wide receiver room. And I think he was going to be a big part of the offense this season. I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were going to be bigger parts of it. But the thing about Patrick is he was a sure-handed target. He was a guy that you knew that you can count on. He led the team in touchdowns, I believe, over the last couple of years. He was as surefire of a catch as you were going to get if the ball was in his radius. With that... You have Sutton, you have Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Montrell Washington, who actually has, has looked good as a fifth-round draft pick, it's specifically today when Patrick went out, but he's going to be the special teams guy returning punts and or kicks. And then you have Seth Williams. Do you feel comfortable enough with those guys? Is it next man up? Or should they go after an Emmanuel Sanders who's available? Will Fuller. Odell Beckham Jr. But let me just say this about Odell Beckham Jr. They're not going after him. He's not going to be available until October because or of a torn ACL. He's not going to be ready until October or November. So let's just cross him off the list. I'm seeing it on on Twitter, on social media. Go after, you know, OBJ. All you have to do is Wikipedia his name, and you'll see that he's not coming back for a while. Will Fuller is coming off a broken thumb most of last season, right? which is a really uncomfortable injury for a wide receiver. Right. Not necessarily a hockey player. But in the in, I would and Beckham's going to be out with the ACL and the Rams are kind of romancing him anyway. Looks like they want him back. So I it, the only one I could I would consider on that list would be Emmanuel Sanders who had a pretty good year with Buffalo last year but wasn't re-signed. 
And, and it, it's not a case of coming back to be familiar with the coaching staff or anything here because it's a new coaching staff. Yeah. So re, that's almost irrelevant. It's just like he's another guy. But I, I think he, he would be worth looking at as a depth receiver. Jarvis Landry is available as well. With that, I'll start with Fuller. If you're looking to find a guy in theory to replace what Tim Patrick brings. He's fast. Who? Fuller. Right. Well, then that's a good thing. But the point is, is that there's nobody really out there that I think the Broncos can really look at that really replicate what Tim Patrick can do. There isn't a 6'4 body Mm -hmm. out there with sure hands. Will Fuller, he is a fast guy, but they have fast guys, and there's nothing wrong with having a lot of fast guys, right? Uh, Yeah, to have Judy and Hamler out there with Will Fuller, if he's at full speed, yeah, that'd be a pretty dangerous offense. And for a guy who can blow the top off the defense like a Will Fuller, knowing that uh, Russell Wilson likes to throw the ball deep, oh, he'd have a field day with all those deep targets. Now let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders. When Emmanuel Sanders was here, I loved Emmanuel Sanders. Really did. I love his competitive spirit. Um, he, he's a tough guy, but I'll tell you why you should not bring him back. Why? Because this is Cortland Sutton's locker room now. But don't you think he could adapt? Don't you think he could understand at his advanced age this is kind of his last shot? He can. Emmanuel Sanders is a tough cookie. Covered him. He's a tough cookie. And I was there when Emmanuel and Cortland at, I believe it was training camp, got into a heated shouting match. And yes, I understand it was one incident. But basically, and I'm not going to even try and paraphrase the conversation, Sanders was saying, basically, you're a young kid. You don't know what you're talking about. Now Cortland is a veteran. He is the leader of that wide receiver room. This is no longer Emmanuel Sanders' wide receiver room. He has a Emmanuel has a very strong personality, yes. and will would he be able to adapt? I'm sure if he had to, he would. But, but here's the thing: when you have a mentor, and then you have a pupil, and then it flips. Sometimes the mentor with a strong personality has a difficult time listening to his former former pupil. What if Russell Wilson acted as a mediator between the two, sat them down and said, said, okay, this is have to be after signing him, of course. And sat him down and said, we're not going to put up with any BS between you two. I don't think this, I don't think this is a Russell Wilson thing. I don't think he should be stepping in. Quite frankly, it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference because Russell Wilson's not going to be there in every single meeting room. Emmanuel has a very strong personality and Cortland I remember when Cortland was drafted, you could tell he had the want to to be a leader in that wide receiver room, but he was behind Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. You knew who the veterans were. You knew whose room that was. Cortland wanted his shot to be the guy, and now he is. And now you have Emmanuel, uh, potentially, if you had Emmanuel coming back, I'm not saying there'd be so much friction that they'd wind up losing games. And you would have to, what I would do is I would sit down Corlin and say, do you want Emmanuel back? But if he says yes? Then fine, bring him back. But if he says no, then you don't bring him back. But Emmanuel's 35 years old at the tail end of his career. I think he'd be smart enough and astute enough to assess the situation and say, 
This is a, this would be a pretty good deal. Pretty I good know Emmanuel Sanders. I know his personality. It is strong. But can it change at age thirty five? No. Were you the same at Were you the same at thirty five as you this were is, at twenty eight? Well, it, it well, it's not a seven year difference. Emmanuel was here like three years ago. He was he was here recently. And Emmanuel's thirty five years old. Okay, and he was here how many years ago? Three four years ago. He has a strong personality. He, he was traded in mid nineteen. 19? Okay, so that's three years ago. So he has to be able to come in and say, I'm going to come in, keep my mouth shut. This is Cortland's room, and I think that would be difficult for him. And I love Emmanuel. I'm not not disputing you because I don't know him. And and I really like him. He's tough. He's willing to do anything. What, What I have little doubt about is Emmanuel would be willing to accept a secondary role. I believe that he would. So what's the problem? As far as leadership goes and who the guy is standing in front of the room, his former student. What are the, what do those other guys know or care about that? Who come in? Since? You don't want friction in that room. Again, if, if you're, they're considering bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, I can't stress this enough. I covered Emmanuel his entire time here. I know him really well. And I can't call him a best friend. I'm not going to say we had drinks together, but I know what he was like to be around. And I loved him because he was always up front, always gave me an interview. But but he's a different type of cat. He just He's the guy who called out basically Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. a guy going into the Hall of Fame and basically came out and said, Ben's nothing like Peyton Manning. I mean, that's the type of guy he is. I thought you would agree with that. He's, yeah, I would agree with you. But I didn't play. I just didn't come from the Steelers, <laughs> and now I'm playing with the Broncos. I think there's the potential that there could be friction. The mentor, a lot of times, would have a very difficult time. Three years later, having to listen to the guy that, in theory, that he taught. Who, by the way, don't think for a minute, Cortland Sutton doesn't have a strong personality either, because he does, and that's why the two of them went at it at camp. Respectfully on the record, uh, those are all on the record. It, it all makes sense. I respect the fact that you have delved into that situation and been around it much more than I have. But I'm just going to raise my hand and say yeah. I'm in favor of bringing back Emmanuel, of a ba- bringing back Emmanuel Sanders and having Russell Wilson, if necessary. We've been told what a great statesman he is. Yep. If have him step in and say, guys, you got to get along. It's We're a, all in this together. I would not put this in the hands of Russell Wilson. He's not going to be in. He's not going to be in the wide receiver room. He's not. And it's a day to day thing, and you're with that group all the time. Corlin has a strong personality, and I love it. And I loved Emmanuel's personality. I did. And I'm not saying don't bring him back. I'm going by what I know, what I experienced, how I know these guys, and I'm not saying I know them well. I say this with all due respect to you. On the surface, from what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yes, that makes sense. If Emmanuel Sanders can help contribute to this team, I think he'd have no problems accepting a secondary role because he did in Buffalo Mm -hmm. behind Stephon Diggs, okay? Behind, you know, more than a few other guys. It is two strong personalities where one was the mentor, one was the student, and now the roles are flipped and they've already had an incident. This is not a Russell Wilson thing. It has nothing to do with it. Sincere question, then what, what should they do? I think they should keep what they have. They're not going to replace Tim Patrick. They're not going to get a guy 6'4 with sure hands. And you know what? It gives more opportunities for Jerry Judy, who you know has the talent. Mm-hmm. It gives more opportunities. Corlin's son, one full year removed. You just got to hope that K.J. Hamler stays healthy. Because if he doesn't, 
then you have to go shopping. Yeah, we're looking at a fourth and fifth receivers. The only guy you can really mirror in terms of measurables, Tim Patrick. There's only one guy on the roster, and that is Seth Williams, who's roughly the same weight and roughly the same height. 6'3", about 210. And then you have Patrick, who's about 6'4", and about 215. But we haven't seen enough of Seth Williams. Well, well, today they were throwing, they threw in Montreal, Washington, and K- Kendall Hinton. Well, Kendall Hill's like a, like a Swiss Army knife. What do you want him to play? Quarterback. He, he proved he could play quarterback, although you don't want him to play quarterback. Kendall Hill has some talent, and they used him yeah. last year. So I think they're going to see what they have on their roster for the rest of training camp, maybe into the preseason. The guys who are currently out there on the free agent market, they know they're probably not going to get picked up, specifically guys who have an injury history, unless somebody gets injured in another camp. And there will be more guys on the market. I mean, I'll give you a guy, I'll give you a team that's desperate for wide receivers. Dallas, and they're coming to town next week. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders will be on that roster. Coming up after the break, Hussein Bassey was the guy covering Tim Patrick. I had a chance to catch up with him after practice. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. I just want to go back to what happened in 2019. Going into the season, remember, Demarius Thomas was no longer part of the team. It was Cortland going into his second season, I believe, right? Going into his second season. And during his rookie season, Emmanuel Sanders went out with an Achilles injury, right? So going into year number two for Sutton, he said to the media, I'm excited going into the season knowing that I'm going to be the number one wide receiver and I'll get all those looks and all that pressure. I'm excited about that. I want my teammates to look at me as a leader and that guy is hoping to assume that role, take it, go with it as long as I possibly can. As I told you, the first day I met Cortland Sutton, you could tell right away he wanted to be a leader on this team. And by the time he got here, the Broncos were two or three years removed from being in the Super Bowl, and guys who won that Super Bowl were starting to slowly funnel out of that locker room. So things erupted, and it was it was a lot of punches thrown. You can call it a fist fight, but, but I don't think anything was landed. Ron, uh, Ron Leary broke the thing up, but at the end of the day, no punches landed. There was a long angle view video of it online, and it's hard to tell really what happened. And while well, I was standing there, and I remember it, and you saw guys just huddling around, like trying to break stuff mm-hmm. up. Usually, it's an offensive player fighting a defensive yeah, player. Yeah, that's, that's pretty unusual. Not not two guys in the same position group. So when they were drawn back and forth, Emmanuel looked at Sutton and said, you haven't done blank in this league. For a guy like Sutton, who's a prideful guy, talented guy, feels he should be the number one guy, 
building admirably as the number one guy when Sanders went out with an Achilles injury. Mm -hmm. He thought he was going to be the guy. Emmanuel, he's got a huge ego. Love him. <laughs> but he's got a... He, and listen, he's had a really good career. He's a two-time Pro Bowl. He was a 10-year veteran by the time all of this happened, yeah. right? Right. Um, so to put them in the same room again... Now, what do you think? Well, they did, the Broncos did trot them out the next the next day or two to mutual and consecutive news conferences. Well, that's and, what, and they that's said, what the Broncos they said. All oh, the hatchets buried. We're big. They brought out the dog in us. We're fine. And it, you, don't, you don't think they could get back into the same room? I didn't say they couldn't. It should be Cortland's decision. It's his room. This is not a Russell Wilson thing. There's a long history here that Russell Wilson will not be able to put a Band-Aid on. This is a Cortland son. Do you want him in the room? Is everything fine? If Cortland thinks so, then fine. This is a Cortland's decision that it, that if George wants to bring him in, Hackett wants to bring him in, you need to talk to Sutton first. I realize you have to be conscious and cognizant of not not letting your team become toxic, and that would be the concern here. But I also don't like the precedent of allowing a single player to make a personnel decision. Well, if you're going to have two guys who don't like each other potentially in the same room, that's how you wreck a season. Kind of like the 1993 Houston Oilers when they decided to bring in Buddy Ryan and he absolutely destroyed that franchise, mm -hmm. pitting the offense against the defense well, like he did with did the Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah, Buddy did that everywhere. That's right. But the Oilers were a tremendously talented team with like seven, eight, or nine Pro Bowlers. And he ripped that team apart. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. So saying Bassey was the guy covering Tim Patrick on the play in which Patrick tore his ACL, which unfortunately has knocked him out for the season. There was very little contact between Patrick and Bassey, and this injury could easily be labeled as a non-contact Injury Bassey was only on the field with the first team because of another injury that happened on Saturday. I caught up with Bassey following practice today. You never want to see a teammate go down talking about Kwan Williams, and you are the guy getting those snaps. You don't want to take somebody's job, but how good is it to get out there and get those reps? Uh, feels good just uh, working with the ones, uh, get good quality reps, get good work against you know the one receivers, Judy, Tim core all those good reps so it's good work let's talk about the other injury with tim patrick what did you see out there and how bad did it seem to you i'm not too sure i just know uh it was a contested play it was good good coverage good catch and then uh you know after he made the catch i'm not too really sure what happened after that is it one of those hold your breath moments because it's a teammate it's a guy that you like yeah definitely you know tim's a big part of the team so Anytime a guy like that goes down, it's, it's not a good thing to see. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's, it's hard to see. How good can that cornerback room be for you guys with Sertan going into his second year? Then you have Darby coming back. You just picked up Williams. You have you, Ojemudie. How are you guys clicking as a unit? Really well, really well. You know, the sky's the limit for us, I think. Um, we've been playing together for some time now, so we got – Good. We're real familiar with each other and how everybody moves the defense, you know, we're working well with it. So I, I think the sky's the limit. When you see a guy like Justin behind you, is it the literal definition of he's our safety net? 
Yeah. No knock on anybody else, but he's our safety net. Yeah, definitely. De- with a guy who's talented and experienced as Justin, he makes sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, so at the snap of the ball, everybody's comfortable. Everybody has their cleats on the ground and, and ready to play fast. So he, he makes sure we're all good to go. Say this is all due respect to the past quarterbacks. But when you have a guy like Russell out there who's holding guys accountable, helping make that offense better, how much better does that make you guys? Uh, so much better because he, he, he really commanding, takes control of the offense. Uh, so make sure they're, they're on point. And when they're on point, we have to be extra on point, you know. So it just makes everybody better. Who is the most difficult wide receiver to cover for you? <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're all... Probably none of them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you own all of them. You lock them down. No, I wouldn't say that. They're all <laughs> talented in different ways, so they're all pretty tough covers. It was an unfortunate coincidence that Bassey was on the play yep. with that with Patrick. That They didn't really get twisted up. He was really not involved in the physical contact that led to it, so he shouldn't feel angst or guilt over it no well here's the funny thing you know when you talk about full contact and the and in the there wasn't any today exactly i don't know what happened with the crockett injury i did not see Mm -hmm. it i just saw him walking off the field i don't know if that was a contact injury but that could have happened yesterday (laughs) shoot that that could have happened during the jog through yeah it could this 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 was not an injury where it, it was for lack of a better phrase had had nothing to do with having full pads on. That kind of stuff happens. If you remember, one of the most well, it wasn't gruesome, but it was like shocking. One, the, the most memorable non-contact injury I can ever remember in professional sports. There's one. Orlando Gary. No. Oh. Well, tell me about Orlando Gary. I'll let you know if I think you're right. I'm kidding when I say that. No, go ahead. Dan Marino. Yeah, he he dropped back into the pocket. Nobody touched him. Tore his Achilles. Nobody touched him in the middle of a game. Nobody touched him, and he ripped his Achilles tendon right through. Knees happen without contact all the time. But Say not, it again. Knees bad torn torn ligaments happen all the time in football without contact. Right, but not that kind of simple drop back. Right. You know, and the other thing about Bassey is they they must like him. I mean, it's probably a George Payton thing in the sense that he was with them. He was with him two years ago and, and played a little bit and did a good job. He got waived. The Chargers picked him up, but the Broncos had, got him back. They must like him just enough to have, have him as kind of a possibility for an extra guy or a practice squad guy. Coming up after the break, the Broncos have added somebody new to the ownership group. And this guy is a huge name in Europe. He's a huge name. Who's the latest, the newest, for lack of a better phrase, celebrity to join the Walton Penner group. We will let you know. And is it a big deal? Not a big deal. Do you care? We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. 
If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. There's a reason why we bumped in with the Black Eyed Peas and one of the singers of that former group, Fergie, and we'll talk about that not only in this segment, but in a segment later on in the show. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. Okay, the Broncos made news today, adding seven-time Formula One champ Lewis Hamilton to the ownership group. Walton Penner Group, they certainly didn't add him because they need the money. No. So why do you think they added him? Well, it's another step in, in uh, diversity. In- we can't keep falling back on that, can we? Yes. So, so you think they only want black people? No. Okay. No, I'm just saying it's it's a step, and it's a, in a, a man of an incredible accomplishment. Yep. And adding to an ownership group that originally seemed to be like white bread America. Yep, that's fair. I, I think I think diversity certainly is a reason why. But I'll tell you this: outside of football, outside of football, tell me a sport that involves more teamwork. In football, you can have a bad play. Yeah. Okay? And you can still win the game. I know where you're going. In Formula One, NASCAR, IndyCar racing, if you're off by a couple seconds because one guy or gal didn't do their job, you lose a race. Changing a tire, even. You got, well, that's part part of the pit crew. My point is, this guy knows something for sure about teamwork. I love what they have put together. I'm a firm believer that you cannot have too many smart people in the room, and I don't want anyone to try and tell me, well, who's going to have the final decision? The answer is the person with the most money. Rob Walton. That's right. And Penner. Those two guys are going to be the decision makers. But when you have a room that consists of Melody Hobson, who is incredibly accomplished, her husband, by the way, happens to be George Lucas, Yes. Condoleezza Rice, who is kind of well-known in this country <laughs> as the Secretary of State and a big sports fan. and Long-time Broncos fan. And she was also on the inaugural college football playoff committee. And then you throw in Lewis Hamilton. How much do you think the diversity of all of these people, when I say diversity, I don't mean diversity in terms of skin color. How much do you think the diversity of everybody's backgrounds will add to making the Broncos a more solid profitable, better franchise. Well, other owners in other sports have become wealthy and, and prominent in various business enterprises and have ideas they can throw in and say, why do you do that? Why don't you do that? Right. Tell me about this. And they're not necessarily mandating that their questions are translated into action. It's just a way to get thoughts going around the room. Right. I, I love what they've done. I like bringing smart people in the room. And there's, it's not an accident that they did not invite me. <laughs> Even if I had all the money in the world, I couldn't imagine they would invite me because I'm not, I'm certainly not the smartest person in the room, but I can promise you I'm probably one of the dumbest. But, but this is almost getting to be like a bunch of glitterati getting together at a tailgate party. No, that's the Miami Dolphins. That's not the Denver Broncos. You have seriously accomplished business people. People in politics. And Hamilton's a great athlete also. All of that. Your team is diverse. Now, let me tell you what the Miami Dolphins ownership group looks like. And it's not a knock. Okay, It's not a knock one bit. We'll talk more about the Dolphins in the second hour of the show as 
their owner Ross. Um, Even Ross, he, yeah. he's he's gone. He's going to be gone for a little while. Got fined, lost draft picks for doing something that, quite frankly, we know tampering happens. But what he did was incredibly egregious. And even Roger Goodell said that. With that, this is their ownership group. These are their partners. Okay, Bruce Beal, I believe he was caught up in this, right? Yes, he was. He was the one talking to the agent. So you have Tom Garfinkel, who's the vice chairman, president, chief executive officer. I don't know if he's a partner. Jorge Perez, I don't believe he's a partner owner. But would you like to hear who the other four partner owners are? Uh, David Beckham. Fergie, who we just heard her group, Black Eyed Peas. Serena Williams, Venus Williams, and global icon singer Mark Anthony. How do you like that? That is a paparazzi party. That is a paparazzi party. Not... Lewis Hamilton, Condoleezza Rice. I said glitterati, not paparazzi. Well, you know, well, glitterati. I didn't even know that was a word. Um, that that the Broncos ownership group is a who's who of ridiculously successful people in all different facets of life. It's just getting too long now, though. It's the Walton Penner, Hobson, Lucas, Rice, Hamilton group. No, no, it's not. It's the Walton Penner group because you don't say about the Dodgers. It's the blank, blank, blank Magic Johnson group. Who do you say? Magic Johnson? Well, Johnson, Magic Johnson, Irvin Johnson, whatever it is. He's not part of the... He's not on the billboard. He's not on the nameplate. Magic Johnson is not on the nameplate. He's the face. He's the face of ownership. No question about it. But he's a, he's a minority owner. So is Fergie. So is Mark Anthony. So is Serena Williams. So is Venus Williams. So I'll ask you this. And we, we, we want to hit a break, and I don't want to you know blow our load in this particular segment before we get to the 515 segment talking about Stephen Ross. But with Stephen Ross gone until October 17th, we'll get more into that at 515, and Bruce Beal gone, who's the owner until they come back? Is it Fergie, Mark Anthony, <laughs> Serena Williams, or Venus Williams? I'll say Serena Williams. Sure. They're, they're all good choices. But, I, you, but you have music icons and tennis icons. That's not, that's not Secretary of State. That's not the guy who's who develops the Star Wars films and his wife is even more accomplished than he is when it comes to being more broader based. Although when it comes to the movie mm -hmm. industry, he might be the greatest of all time outside of a Coppola or somebody else. But Hamilton might be the most famous person in the group. In fact, he is the most famous person. People know me. Outside of the United States. He's British, yes. Outside the United States. But I will tell you this, one guy's opinion Venus Williams and Serena Williams are known worldwide. They are global. Mm -hmm. Fergie is global. Mark Anthony is global. You know who else I believe is part of that ownership group? Unless she just took a step back. Gloria Stefan. Mm -hmm. I believe she is still part of that ownership group from the Miami Sound Machine. I mean, does my, do, do the owners for, for the Miami Dolphins just look for singers? <laughs> I mean, is that, is that what they do? My point is you have people from all different facets of life and business, sports, the movie industry with the Broncos. Nothing wrong with having a couple of tennis players and three singers. Oh, Mark Anthony's also a Broadway actor, music, music, musical theater actor. Okay. He played Che Guevara in Evita. 
Well, I'm so glad that you are up to date on your musical comedy. And I believe Madonna played Evita Perone, Eva Perone, in the movie. the movie. There you go. All right, what do we have coming up on Mountain High Applies, just in case you missed it? We'll talk all things MLB trade deadline, including what Tim Kirkjian called possibly the biggest trade in baseball history. And CU and CSU began uh, their fall football practice today. That's all next on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now. For the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, earlier today, the San Diego Padres agreed to a deal to acquire superstar outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals. Uh, Eric Hosmer, who was supposed to go to Washington, uh, D.C., to be traded, uh, he waived that as no trade clause and he will be dealt to the Red Sox instead. Uh, with the deal, the Padres World Series odds improved to 20 to 1 to 8 to 1. Um, is this the biggest trade in sports history, like Tim Kirchin possibly said? Not even close, but it's a major, major, big earth-moving deal. Well, especially when you look at Soto's potential, and that's what we are basing it on. Who have the Padres acquired? Six guys. Well, they gave up up five of their top 11 uh, prospects, or six of their top 11. But who have they acquired recently? Soto, Machado, Hayter, Darvish, and they extended Tatis. So yes, there's no reason to believe that they should not be able to challenge. But as far as biggest trades in sports history, it's not even top five. No. Not even close. Herschel Walker's in there somewhere. No, not not in my top five. I'll give you my top five. You tell me where to put Herschel Walker. Okay. Okay? Number one is Gretzky for Jimmy Carson. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going from Milwaukee to the Lakers. Is that fair that that's yeah. number two? That would be number two on my list. Um, let's see. I will go Patrick Waugh. To the Colorado Avalanche, number three, won Mm. two Stanley Cups. You had a future Hall of Famer going to a franchise. So you're going to have two hockey trades among the top three? I don't care if it's two hockey. I don't care if they're all hockey trades. That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant what it is. The Brett Favre trade was huge from Atlanta. But not at the time. But look, well, you can say the same thing about Soto, right? Although Soto's really good right now. But the Favre trade... Change that entire franchise and actually, Eventually. well, pretty quickly. 
pretty quickly. Actually, I can tell you a great story. You want to hear the story about how Brett Favre was traded? Okay. But first, before I get to that, I'll throw on my list of greatest trades of all time. I'll also throw in Kevin Garnett to the Boston Celtics. Remember, it netted a title as well. So where did it go from there? Yes, the Herschel Walker trade was big because of what the Cowboys It altered the landscape of the league and turned the Cowboys with all those draft choices and everything into a dynasty. That yeah. would have continued yes. with the 49ers, except for the onset of the salary cap. But remember, they already had Troy Aikman. They already had Michael Irvin. It netted them Emmett Smith. Mm-hmm. But with all due respect to Emmett Smith, the NFL's all-time leading rusher, there's a reason why down in Dallas they call it the Great Wall of Dallas, arguably the greatest offensive line of all time. I'm not disputing any of that. With that, um, the computer might be on. Let me tell you how that Brett Favre trade happened. Um, and when I do keynote speeches and I talk about leadership and teamwork, I always bring up this particular story. Uh, a guy by the name, uh, his last name is Heckard. I can't remember his first name. He was the GM. Of, Tom. There you go. Tom Heckard was the GM, I believe. Can you look up who the GM of the of the Atlanta Falcons was in 1991 or 1990? Or 1990. I believe Tom Heckard was the GM of the Atlanta uh, of the Atlanta Falcons. Jerry Glanville was the head coach of the Atlanta mm-hmm. Falcons. They had Andre Risen, my friend Mike Pritchard at the time. Uh, they had Deion Sanders. They were really, really good. Jerry Glanville did not like rookies at all. He had Chris Miller as his quarterback coming off a Pro Bowl season. And Heckert drafts Brett Favre in the second round. Glanville was furious. And he was so upset, he said, you know what? I'm not playing this guy. I'm not going to even dress this guy. It was a mistake of a pick. I'm not going to play him. And the reason why I bring it up when it comes to teamwork and leadership in in um, in speeches that I do, keynote speeches, it's because if Glanville would have trusted Heckert, he would have trusted him, maybe it would have worked out for the best. But Glanville was so set in his ways and wanted to leave tickets for Elvis, that's how out to lunch he was, Glanville never really worked again after he got fired. Point is, the Packers wanted him, and this is where the story gets interesting. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the Packers were either playing the Falcons down at the Georgia Dome or Ron Wolf, the GM at the time, was very interested in trading for Brett Favre. So Ron Wolf is sitting in the stands before the game and a PR person walks down to Ron Wolf and said, Jerry's not dressing him today and you can't watch him throw. I know that's why you came down here. But if you want him to throw... We'll take him out to the parking lot, <laughs> and he will throw for you. So Brett Favre threw for Ron Wolf in the parking lot, and Ron Wolf made the trade, and that's how that trade happened. And Elvis didn't show up either. Elvis was not in the building. Was it Tom Heckert? Uh, they don't have the GM. They have like chair- the president, chairman of the board, but not a GM listed on their well, let's staff. Look up, let's look up. Let's look at it. It wasn't Tom Heckert, though. He was with the Dolphins in 1991. I'm thinking it's not Tom Heckert. It's somebody. I don't know why I can't remember his name. Go with another question. I'll figure out who the guy is. CSU and CU began their fall practice today amid the unsettled state of the conference landscape. What's the most Ram and Buffalo fans can hope for this season? CSU Rams are in the the, uh, depth hands of Jay Norvell. I think he's going to get a turnaround and turnaround quickly because he brought so many 
players with him from Nevada, so the transition will be remarkably seamless. So I think they're going to win. They're going to win seven or eight games. CU's going to struggle. Uh, I would like because of uh, alumni sentiment. I'm going to say they're going to be better than people think. They'll be somewhere around 500. All right. I think I might have this right here. Who drafted Brett Favre? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know why I cannot find this. Now it is really bothering me. <laughs> I know it is not Hecker, but the story about Ron Wolf is true. Yes. It's really unbelievable. Anyway, that was Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk into any store. You can try out the appliances before you buy them. And their sales staff, super experienced. I mean, you want to redesign your kitchen, you could do that. You want something to fit your budget, you can do that as well. Mountain High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, we will talk more about the season-ending injury to Tim Patrick with our Broncos insider, Cody Work from MileHighSports.com. Say you don't. 